When it comes to destructive habits and dispositions, I would argue people-pleasing is at the top of the list. It directly interferes with having a happy, fulfilling life. By definition, people-pleasing is making choices based on what you perceive other people's values, needs, and desires are rather than your own. But more than that, people-pleasing undermines your ability to have real relationships with people because it predicates that relationship on the false pretense that you are someone else, essentially. And even worse or more insidious is that a lot of people who are actually people-pleasing don't even know it. Because people-pleasing often looks like, quote-unquote, just being nice, or it might even look and feel like empathy. But what it actually is, is a negation of yourself, your needs, your values, your desires. When we sacrifice ourselves for external approval, we will end up resentful, angry, frustrated, and unclear in every regard in our lives. People pleasers do have a strength, and that is that they have a high external self-awareness. External self-awareness is knowing how you stand with other people and having an idea of what other people want. That ability to read the room, that's external self-awareness, and that can be a strength, but it can cross over into people-pleasing. And again, so many of us are doing this and we don't even realize it because we think we're just being nice. But don't feel bad about that because We've been trained to do this. It's been instilled in us from a very young age, especially if we're women, to be this way. It's not your fault, but it is our responsibility to change it and to recognize it when it's happening. So today, I want to really break down this problem of what people-pleasing is, what it looks like, how it shows up in our lives, why it's destructive. And why we need to really solve the problem for ourselves. And I am going to provide a solution. And the solution is not just to stop people pleasing. Because if it were that easy, we'd all be fucking doing it. So this episode is for you. Obviously, if you identify as a people pleaser, you might feel like you make decisions based on what other people want rather than what you want. You might be the person who, when someone says, what do you want to get for dinner? You say, I don't know. What do you want? You might be the person who has to ask several people what their opinion on something is before you make a decision, and even then you don't know what to do. If you consider yourself a seeker or if you find yourself often kind of confused about your next step or unclear on what's next or even just frustrated about how your life is at the moment or an aspect of your life, you might be people-pleasing and just not realizing it. You might be one of those people who is doing this subconsciously because those of us who are engaging in these self-awareness modalities like astrology, what we're really looking for is information about ourselves a lot of the time. And the reason we may not have that information is perhaps because we've been people-pleasing. So in other words, we've invested our awareness in what other people want rather than what I want. Regardless of if you identify as a people-pleaser or not, if you feel frustrated, stuck, confused, unclear, you need to listen to this episode. If you're new here, welcome to Self-Help Witch. I'm Dana. I'm your host. I'm an astrologer, teacher, and self-awareness advocate. Self-Help Witch is dedicated to supporting your spiritual self-development 
by making astrology more accessible and providing community and real talks about self-development topics. You can sign up for my weekly transit updates, which also include relevant resources for self-development and personal growth in the show notes or down below if you're watching on YouTube. I also have two free resources that you can snag. One is the birth chart blueprint. It's a complete guide to interpreting your chart on your own. The other is self-care through the signs. It's a cool little mix and match guide that will help you create a personalized self-care strategy based on your astrology chart. I also have a free workshop coming up May 1st. You can learn more about it at selfhelpwitch.com slash applied astrology. The link is down below as well, and I'll be talking about it a little bit more in depth later on in the episode. Finally, if you really love the show, don't forget to like this video. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review. If you have suggestions for episode content, let me know. You can email me, Dana at selfhelpwitch.com. So how do we become people pleasers? Because this isn't a natural thing to totally negate everything that you're interested in or you find important. People-pleasing is taught to us from a variety of angles. Firstly, our culture. And I'm speaking from an American perspective here. And maybe like a specific kind of perspective. We'll see. Let me know if this resonates for you guys. I really see women being taught explicitly to always be nice. And we don't really get clear on what we mean by that. But what I've observed is when people say be nice to little girls, what they mean is don't speak candidly. (laughs) Don't say no. Don't talk back. Don't have an opinion that goes against. Just go with the flow and even worse, go along with what other people want. Don't rock the boat. That's really what people are saying when they say be nice a lot of the time. And, you know, I've done a lot of reflection on people pleasing myself, just knowing that that is the thing I struggle with. And I thought, when in my life was that kind of thinking reinforced? Like, not to honor my needs, wants, and desires, but to focus on what other people want. I was going to a dance. It was fifth grade, and it was like one of the first dances, you know, I'd ever attended. And my dad said, hey, if a boy asks you to dance with him, just say yes, because it probably took him a lot of courage to work up the nerve to even ask you. You don't want to hurt his feelings. And I remember when he told me that, my feeling was, oh, I'm glad he said that. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. So clearly predisposed to this kind of behavior. But of course, now I look back and I'm like, damn, that's fucked up. And my dad didn't know any better. Like, I don't think he was trying to corrupt my mind or anything. He was just speaking from his experience, right? Uh, I wonder if he was ever rejected when he asked a woman to dance. But anyway. I think about that now and I'm like, yeah, I wonder how many other little girls were told something like that. And it infiltrated into all of their interactions with other people. Because at the bottom of that, it's think about other people and let their needs be more important than yours. Let that little boy's fear be more important than what you actually want, (laughs) right? So our culture that 
teaches us to be nice, which ends up being just focus more on other people and don't focus at all on yourself. But within that, there's also another layer, which is confusion about what it means to be nice. I've heard this phrase, and I'm sure you've heard it too, kind is clear or clear is kind, same difference. And what that means is when you're clear, when you're straightforward and candid, that is a kind thing to do instead of beating around the bush or not being straightforward about what it is you're really trying to say. That is unkind because it makes other people confused and it gives them the wrong idea about who you really are or what you're really thinking. That is the definition I wish we taught people or I wish was more um, in line with what society sees as quote unquote being nice. But oftentimes when people say be nice, what they really mean is, again, do what other people want and don't rock the boat. And we're rewarded for for that, right? Or I should say, actually, we are punished when we don't. It might be quite literal, too. If you're a child and you are like, I don't want to do that, you might actually get punished because your parents want you to do this thing. But in our adult lives, it could be the case, too. We might be at work. And we might not agree with the direction a project is going in. And instead of people saying, oh, like, let me learn more about your perspective, it's, God, why can't you just agree with us? You're being so difficult when it's better for us to be honest about it. So we need a recalibration on what we think being nice actually is. It's being honest and being true to what we think and believe rather than perpetuating a lie by quote-unquote going with the flow. We're also taught to value outside approval. And this is true in layers in our society. So as a high school teacher, one thing I think about right away is grades. Now, that's a whole whole other thing I don't want to really like get too deep into here. However, you know the person or you might have been the person who studied their ass off and worked really hard in school to get a grade rather than to learn something. Maybe you were both, but I think it's clear that grades are an external form of approval. And really, if you stop and think about it, grades are super arbitrary. Like they really don't mean anything. What I consider an A might be totally different than the teacher at the school two towns away from me considers an A, right? Yet we all strive for the A because we want the A. Like the A doesn't really mean anything. It's just someone else saying, good job. And for a lot of us, I'll speak for myself, for me, like if I didn't get that A, I didn't feel like it was good. I needed someone else to tell me it was good in order for me to think it was good. That's a problem. And that happens outside of the school environment, too. But we are trained for this, right? We are trained to tune in to what other people think is good or valuable or desirable. And we do that thing rather than checking in with what we think is best. So what this attention to outside 
approval does is it cultivates that external self-awareness that I was talking about earlier. And I do think that there is value in having external self-awareness, which is just when you're aware of how other people perceive you or how you might be coming off. I do think that that's a necessary component of kindness and empathy. However, on a spectrum of internal self-awareness, so knowing who you are, and external self-awareness, knowing who other people are, what they want, need, and desire, people-pleasing happens when we're too far on the external side. And that happens at the cost of having that internal self-awareness. So when we're too plugged into people-pleasing, we end up sacrificing knowing ourselves. It's an imbalance where we're, we're too focused on other people. So it might look like kindness, niceness, and empathy. What's really happening is we're negating ourselves in the process. And look, again, I do this all the time. This is something I'm always trying to become more aware of and kind of root out in my own life. And my husband's great because he really helps me notice when I'm doing it. He knows I'm working on this. For example, you know, I'll be watching the baby and he'll be like, hey, do you need a break? And I'll say, well, what are you doing? So I don't even answer his question. I don't even check in sometimes of if I need a break. I'm thinking, is he okay to take the baby? I'm more worried about him than I am about myself. Even when he's asking me to check in with myself, do you need a break? And again, it's so subliminal sometimes. Like I didn't even realize that I wasn't taking my needs into account. And the only reason I did realize it is because I'm constantly trying to become aware of this stuff. So it's very, very sneaky. This hyper-cultivated external self-awareness being focused on everybody else, it can lead to social anxiety or just anxiety in general because it puts you in a place of constantly wondering what other people are thinking or what will happen. So it puts you inherently in this future thinking kind of place that is prone to feeling anxious. And people-pleasing leads to resentment in relationships because you are not getting your needs met. And what's fucked up about it is you will blame that other person. You'll say, wow, they're so selfish. They never help me with the baby, just for example. When in actuality, you never asked for help. You never said what you needed. So now you're pissed off that they didn't help you when you insisted you didn't need help. And you don't even realize it because you're not thinking about it like that. You're wanting the other person to read your mind and they can't do that. So it definitely breeds resentment. And worse in relationships, as I mentioned earlier, it creates this false relationship built on lies. It, it can go that far. If you always default to what the other person's needs, desires, and values are, you're going to find the you part of the relationship completely missing. There's no other way that could work out, right? That's the only <laughs> conclusion that that can come to. 
And when you have a relationship that is just about one person's values, needs, and desires, there's no relationship. It's just that person. You are completely gone from it. So what relationship do you have? You're going to feel unfulfilled. You're simply going to feel invisible and unfulfilled. So while you might be thinking that this kind of behavior is holding up this relationship and you might be afraid of what will happen if you stop, the reality is this is destroying your relationships. People-pleasing destroys relationships because it prevents you from participating in the relationship because all you're doing is reflecting back to them what you think they want. I'm quickly interrupting the episode to remind you of my free workshop happening May 1st. It's called Live Your Best Life, Bridging Astrology with Authentic Living Through Applied Astrology. Applied Astrology is simply taking your astrology knowledge from conceptual, abstract information into a practical tool that you use to help you build and live a more rewarding, fulfilling life. So if you are tired of knowing your big three but not really understanding how that's supposed to help you or listening to horoscopes and wondering when it's actually going to feel like information you can use, this is the workshop for you. It is totally free. You can sign up through the link in the show notes or go to selfhelpwitch.com slash applied astrology. So we know people-pleasing is damaging to our relationships. And it's also really damaging to our relationship with ourselves. When we allow other people's needs to become a priority over our own, we begin to lose touch with our inner selves, with our spirit. I conceptualize the holistic person as your body, your mind, and your spirit. So your body is obviously your body. Your mind is, you know, your conscious mind and your perceptions and your perspectives. And your spirit is that unique essence that is really you, that part of you that makes you who you are, that's really unique to you. So when we are people-pleasing, we lose touch with that spirit part of ourselves, that unique quality, that unique part of us. Under normal circumstances, we act from that place. Our values, our desires, and our needs, our spirit knows them. When we have a good sense of inner self-awareness, we are connected with that part of self and we can act from a place of integrity and authenticity. When we're people-pleasing, Again, that spectrum, right? We have internal self-awareness, which is connection with our spirit. And then we have external self-awareness, which is connection to other people's needs, values, and desires. When we are imbalanced on the side of external self-awareness, that comes at the cost of our internal self-awareness. We want to find a happy medium and have both. But people pleasers are too far on the side of the external. So then what happens is we lose touch with who we, we really are. We start to not really know anymore what it is we want, what our desires are. We're not really sure what our values are. But we just kind of go with what other people think. We become really indecisive as a result. And then if it gets really imbalanced, we don't know what our needs are. 
we don't recognize like, oh, actually, I don't want to eat that thing anymore. (laughs) I don't like how it tastes. But because they like it, I'm going to keep eating it. And that might sound really silly and stupid. But let me tell you, it's gotten to that point for me where I would go along with whatever anyone else wanted to do because it was easier for me to do that. I felt like it was easier for me to do that. And in some ways, it was easier for me to do that because I had gotten so far away from knowing myself and that connection to my spirit. And if you are hearing this and you're like, damn, that's me, or I've been there, or I feel myself kind of going down that road and I really don't want to, (laughs) obviously don't want to continue going down that road, I just want to remind you, one, don't feel any shame around this because we were trained to be this way. It was ingrained in us in one way or another. We were taught to be like this. And we don't need to blame anyone, but we just need to understand that that's not how we're doing things anymore. We're not operating from this place any longer. So what do we need to do? We need to reestablish that connection with our spirit. That is how we start to reconnect with our values, needs, and desires. We have to find the happy medium on that spectrum of internal and external self-awareness. So let's talk about how to do that. So we know people pleasing is a problem, it's destructive, and we know that in order to fix it, we need to cultivate a sense of internal self-awareness. So how do you do that? Step one, it's simple and it's free. Be honest about what your needs, values, and desires are. Now, it does sound very simple, and the truth is it's not, especially if you are very entrenched in people-pleasing. Some of us are going to find that it's a good idea to practice honesty before being in the real situation. So just a silly example, but you know your partner is going to ask you, what do you want for dinner? Before that conversation, you can think, all right, what are some things that I want for dinner? Right. And then you have some stuff to say whenever you actually are in the moment instead of the pressure of, Oh, God, what do I want? I don't know. Well, what do you want? Right. So that's something really simple you can do is just practice being honest with yourself. Here's why that's hard for people pleasers. People pleasing is basically lying. And the reason that we're people pleasing, the reason that we're engaging in this type of lying is because we are a lot of the time afraid. We're afraid of rocking the boat ruffling feathers, not being nice. And the reason we're afraid is because we want connection. We want to feel that connection to the people we're close to. And we want to be approved of. We don't want to be rejected. So there's a lot going on under the hood when we're people-pleasing, and it really is rooted in a fear of rejection. So it's not so easy to just be honest sometimes because fight, flight, freeze is in the mix. You're, you're in protection mode, essentially. So it might help, too, to practice what's the worst that could happen before you're in these situations. So with that dinner example, what's the worst that could happen if they want Chinese and I want Mexican? What's the worst that could happen? 
we disagree and we each get what we want. And that's it. So you have to really retrain your brain to know that it's okay to speak up for your needs. And a lot of us are going to really benefit from therapy because there could be some really deep, heavy reasons why we are afraid to say what we need. Okay, so if this is something you're feeling like you need support with, therapy can be really helpful. If therapy is not accessible, books are very, very, very helpful. And my favorite for people-pleasing that I've come across is this book called Anxious to Please. I'll link it in the description in the show notes. But it really opened my eyes to what people-pleasing is and why it's so destructive and then how to stop it. But here's the problem with therapy sometimes. When you're a people-pleaser, and you're engaging in a conversation, there is always the risk that you are going to say something based on what you think other people want to hear. And I found in therapy, when I was first kind of working through this and coming to the conclusion that I was people-pleasing, I recognized eventually, took some time, but eventually, that I wasn't getting much out of my therapy sessions because I was people-pleasing. Even in therapy, I was saying what I thought my therapist wanted to hear. I wasn't being honest. And the truth is, it's very fucking hard to be honest when you're first trying to get out of this. In fact, you might even do that honesty exercise. All right, what do I want for dinner? What can I say? And you can't even think of what you like to eat. Something like that happened to me, but instead of what I like to eat, it was what do I like to do for fun? And I didn't know. I couldn't stay. It was really hard to come to grips with the fact that I'd gotten that far away from myself. And if this is resonating for you and you're like, damn, that's where I'm at or that's the road I'm headed down and I don't like how that feels, it's okay because number one, You can never get totally disconnected from your spirit, okay? As long as you're alive, you are connected to your spirit. And guess what? Your spirit always knows what your needs, values, and desires are. It has perfect crystal clear clarity on what you are here to do. And it always knows exactly what the next best step is. And again, that connection between your mind and your spirit, it cannot be severed as long as you're alive. All right. So you always have a connection to it. But when you get deep into people pleasing, you obscure that connection. All right. It gets harder to communicate with that part of you. So what we're trying to do through that honesty practice is reestablish connection to that part of self. And when you are so deep in people-pleasing that you are having a hard time even being honest with a therapist, you need a tool that will help you work on your own. And that is where astrology comes into play for me. Astrology is the best tool I've found that helps a person reconnect to their spirit without the aid of someone else. Now, you might be thinking, okay, well, if I don't know shit about astrology or if I don't know very much about astrology or if I'm overwhelmed by astrology, don't I need an astrologer? Maybe you need someone to teach you or you need a reading. But 
ultimately, you are the one that's making the connections. An astrologer is not going to tell you who you are. An astrologer is going to translate the symbols of the chart of the moment and your birth chart in such a way that it clicks for you what your truth is. You should be the one articulating the truth of the symbols. Someone asked me recently how I approach birth chart readings, how I interpret the symbols when there's so much to look at. And I said, honestly, my readings are more of a conversation because my very first reading, it was not like that at all. It was a major info dump. It was 60 minutes of the astrologer just explaining my chart to me. And at the time, I thought that was great. I was like, cool. I, I'm so curious about this. I just want to know everything there is to know. But now looking back, I'm like, what I really wanted was a way in to reestablish that connection with my spirit. I needed to be asked the right questions. I needed someone to give me the foundation of, here's what Venus and Pisces can mean. Does this resonate for you? And to ask really specific guiding questions that would turn on that light bulb for me and say, ah, yes, that is true for me. That is real for me. And guess what? Those insights, when you say, yes, this resonates, that is you connecting with your spirit, all right? That's your spirit lighting up and saying, yes, this is us. This is it. This is really what's true for me. So, yes, you can go to therapy. Yes, you can buy the books. And yes, it really just boils down to being honest with yourself. And I would really highly suggest using astrology as a tool for reconnecting to yourself. It is the most powerful self-awareness and personal growth tool that I've used in my life. If you are curious about how to use astrology, so not just like what stuff means, but how to actually use it, I'm teaching a free live workshop called Live Your Best Life, Bridging Astrology and Authentic Living with Applied Astrology. I'm going to teach you exactly how I use astrology as a self-development and personal growth practice so that if you want to cultivate a deeper sense of self-awareness so that you can stop people-pleasing, you will have three approaches rooted in astrology that you can use right away to help you do just that. You can sign up in the show notes or the description of this episode. So I hope that this helped light your fire to reconnect with your spirit and cultivate that internal sense of self-awareness. I hope that it reminded you how vitally important it is. You don't want to get to the end of your life and realize you lived someone else's dream, right? So take the time, commit to yourself, and honestly, when you do, you do everyone else a favor because you show up as who you genuinely are in all of your honesty and that allows you to have deeper, more fulfilling relationships with other people. So you're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for everyone you love and care about as well. This is near and dear to my heart, and I'm sending my love to you. If you are in the thick of navigating this, if you have any questions, please ask them. I'm here for you. In the meantime, I love you. Keep going. See you at the workshop on May 1st. Bye, guys.